Hello and welcome to another episode of the Indie Alternative Podcast. It's me, Chris. On this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Gail Parajanian of the band Turin Breaks. Gail joins me to talk about his recently released solo album, Hi-Fi, Lo-Fi, Sci-Fi, Wi-Fi. Gail shares some details on the writing recording process of that album and we also talk a bit about Turin Breaks as well. So much fun doing this interview. Uh, I've been a, a fan of Turin Breaks since the first album, so it was a real pleasure. Before we get there, though, just a quick reminder of all the ways you can support the podcast. As I say every week, don't forget to follow me on the socials. The links to those are in the show notes. Also, what really helps grow the podcast and reach new listeners are reviews and ratings. So if you've got a couple of minutes spare, it would mean a lot if you could do that. And lastly, I'm completely independent without advertising or part of a network or anything like that. So if you want to buy me a virtual coffee to help support the podcast financially, you can do that as well. And the link to that is also in the show notes. Anyway, that's it for the waffle. Here's Gail. Welcome to the podcast, Gail Parajanian. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm all right. Yes, not too bad. Um, Whereabouts are you in the world? Uh, my exact location, I'm sitting in my garden soundproof room um, in South London, somewhere near um, a windmill and a prison in Brixton. Ah, nice little uh, lands- landmarks for you there. Yeah, yeah, quite <laughs> contrasting. But uh, yeah, that's how this... I find my way home. I look for the prison. <laughs> You're somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah. So this is the um, this is your home studio that uh, you, you sort of built. When did you build this uh, out of interest? I, I I didn't really build it. I got it built for me by some experts, but um, I guess it's probably been about three or four years. So Turing Breaks used to have a place in uh, down the road in Brixton, which we had for years and years, and it was like a headquarters storage space because we had so much gear for traveling around the world and flight cases and rehearsing and at least demo recording or making albums or whatever it was we were doing. So we kind of had our own space. And after, after a while, we realized that um, the rent was going to kill us. And, you know, the, you know, we didn't quite have the liquid money that we used to have before. Like we didn't have the advances we used to have. And so we uh, moved out of there and Ollie got a place built in his garden first. He was kind of eyeing it up and um it just worked so great and then my kids got bigger and they both needed their own room so i've i got one built so yeah basically about three or four years ago yeah so it's free it's freed up so much for you though in, in terms of being able to just to you know nip outside and, and and lay some tracks down or get some ideas and do you do you find yourself kind of stealing away at every opportunity now to do that um kind of yes and no like i i've i treat it like i can come in here and practice and stuff as well which is kind of quite useful because what i've find sometimes is you're you try and create something every day and it can be and it can be wonderful and you can really get on a mission with lots of things but there's times where you're just staring at staring in a mirror that's staring back at you saying this isn't working and it can get quite frustrating so I try and like spread out the use of it a bit by doing a bit of practice or um trying to get some other people to come and record something you know or just sort of do something that where I'm not just facing my bare bones kind of going you're you're rubbish um but it also has freed up a lot of you know creative time for me i, I generally if i've if i've got nothing on i'll just come in here and start mucking about with something is that criticism always there i mean with with turing breaks because you've been together so long and you and ollie have got that relationship and 
um well the other the other guys in the band as well have been with you for for, for, for many albums and many years decades decades yeah decades. A millennia uh, do you guys yeah. are you guys really frank with each other now you've got that sort of special band language where you could, where you just have to give someone a look and say that's not up to tb uh ranking or whatever it's it's probably very nicely done uh <laughs> within the band like um there's definitely a lot of not treading on each other's toes about stuff it, i mean with with the band generally it's kind of it it kind of gets filtered with enthusiasm so if like there's 20 tracks being floated around uh the ones that everyone seems to agree on are the ones that we kind of work on first and quite often those are the ones that are just a bit um let's say like kind of faultless like you don't need to no one needs to criticize much about it it's just kind of obvious how it goes yeah um we're just finding new ways of phrasing stuff if we don't like it we'll just sort of say oh that's not maybe you know it's really good but it's just not like the the color of the band that i like so much you know kind mm. of i like this other stuff um but yeah i mean also thankfully this the stuff with tv seems to work quite fluidly really we don't have too many hiccups with it in terms of like your writing and and leading on segueing to kind of your solo lp your first solo recording hi-fi lo-fi sci-fi wi-fi which is a catchy type title i'm glad you think so <laughs> <laughs> slightly... i pulled it off i pulled it off first time with that well I'm, I'm really impressed I'm, I'm having trouble the more i say it the more I st- i'm starting to think about it that just that just doesn't make sense i've been but recently it's... thinking about it in french would be hiffy wiffy hiffy luffy wiffy siffy which but... is, which is kind of like some character out of in the night garden i think isn't it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You, you've been really busy over lockdown. So this was kind of like a lockdown project for you, or at least lockdown kind of was the catalyst to get some of this stuff down and, and kind of completed. Is that kind of the full story or was it, does it predate kind of the dreaded um, COVID? No, really it kind of, so some of the, some of the tracks have been around for longer than that. There's a song called Offices, which actually when I was talking about the Brixton studio, so it was, you know, at least five years ago, I got someone to come and play drums. I was kind of, toying around with the idea but it's quite different from how it is now it's it just never got I never kind of finished it because it was not really in the Turing Breaks world so quite a lot of the songs on this album just wouldn't fit Turing Breaks world so um I kind of started to get um I wouldn't say frustrated but I started thinking I should you know when when it came to lockdown three and we really had we really had done a lot of writing for Turing Breaks and there wasn't much more to be done because we still couldn't get together mm. um I started kind of thinking maybe what I'll do is just try and brush this stuff up some of these other ideas I've got around that just aren't going to fit in during breaks land exactly and um try and sort of get them up in in demo quality a bit more and kind of think about them as uh you know as finished so yeah in, in a, I mean yeah even though the stuff might have been around some of the songs like offices for a while there was the 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 spur to actually finish it was kind of driven by lockdown three, like the third one. It was really like this. I'm going to go mad if I don't do something here. And mm. at the first lockdown, I spent ages um, as well as kind of doing to and froing emails with Ollie and Robin Ed on Turing Breaks stuff. Uh, I did still a load of electronic music, which I thought I'd just do that. You know, I don't know how long uh, this lockdown will last. I'll just start fiddling around with Ableton. And that was kind of, it was kind of all right, you know, but it then based by the time I got to the third lockdown, I was kind of like realized that what I had to do was just kind of almost come out in the open and just try and finish off some of this stuff 
it was less um i guess with electronic stuff it's i'm slightly hiding or something and it's not quite it's not quite fully fronting the uh the task yeah music so yeah i mean to to give it to to answer your question it was all because of lockdown (laughs) (laughs) in terms of where those songs come from and i I mean did you have like you know if you finished them polish them and and put them down but lyrically um was there anywhere you were coming from in terms of the sort of content of the song if that makes sense or did you have ideas like a notebook of like unfinished lyrics that you were able to go back to and sort of draw upon how did kind of the writing go I got there in the NC. <laughs> um, so a lot of them kind of came from me, uh, like I was saying, kind of just trying to keep myself busy, like coming into my shed and trying to come up with something that day. And I, I guess the way that I kind of do that is there's always something started it, like, um, I don't know, a guitar lick or even just an idea, like I've heard something on the radio and I think, oh, that's kind of like, Gainsbourg I should, you know I should, maybe tomorrow I'll try and do something like that but I will I kind of um I almost act as if I'm doing a writing session with myself and I just try and chuck as many ideas around like lyrical ideas and kind of write it um as I'm demoing it on the on the on the lap on the laptop really um mm. kind of get the general musical structure and kind of write a few notes and kind of um kind of fill it in whilst the project's sort of up you know most of it I don't think I really I don't really sit just with the guitar and come up with the lyrics it's all a bit integrated with like doing it on the laptop um and yeah lyrically there wasn't like a specific place so, like each track kind of had its own sort of day and like within each track there's obviously like a, a drive and some kind of connection between the lyrics but um I didn't have a notebook of just random stuff. Like I don't kind of do what Guy Garvey would do and just kind of write a bit of poetry almost every day. Or, you know, I just have a notebook unrelated to music. You know, it's generally there's like an, like a title for a song or a, a few lines for a song. And then I'll start building the music around it. And then I kind of go back and finish the lyrics. And so quite often I'll leave it like a first verse and a chorus and just sort of see if I like it enough. And then, kind of finish it off afterwards yeah because there's i mean looking listening to the album the tracks are there's themes running through the album i think but for me that they're so diverse each track and obviously there are there are nods to turing breaks but you're kind of flexing something completely different in this aren't you yeah i mean i guess i probably i mean i did think i did think if i did a solo album what would it be like so would i be doing would I be doing stuff that sounds like Turing Breaks? Would I be do? Would I try and kind of appeal to Turing Breaks fans and just kind of do that, but like with a bit of a rubbish singer um, and probably not so good lyrics, you know, and like just not quite as good? Or would it be like I say, an electronic? Or would it be like I mean, people seem to like their guitar in Turing Breaks. Should it? Could I just not sing it? Could I just like have loads of guitar solos or something? You know, like I just hmm. I was I was kind of trying to work out how to do it and in the end I kind of just decided that I should just make something that I really like to listen to really right now um and not worry at all about it being too chewing breaksy or not it will just kind of fit whatever it's going to be so yeah it, it kind of it didn't have to I mean with within with chewing breaks there is a certain 
there are certain parameters we kind of keep it in you know we we've we naturally have that Mm -hmm. when we're working together but also i think over the years we've almost got it a bit more refined like there's some you know there's some songs we kind of go with a piano or uh some are a bit more rocky but we kind of we kind of work within those parameters you know the drums are going to sound a certain way there's going to be harmonies there's going to be x y and z and there's certain you know there won't be kind of um like jazzy jazz chords or that you know just kind of like the, the sound of the band so when i was working on my own i kind of thought well i just don't have to think about that at all and um i can just kind of be freer and so like songs like thunderclouds you know they're they're kind of, it's something that i really like to listen to at the time it kind of reminds me of like smashing pumpkins and stuff like that yeah yeah like earlier yeah. Some earlier smashing pumpkins that um i just would just doesn't fit with chewing breaks you know it's just kind of the way it is but so i just didn't worry about any of that i just thought just try and make something that you just want to make and um I've, I've probably said this to other people before but i was really just trying to get it on the merch desk of the for the optimist, <laughs> the optimist tour that's so that the the parameters and the kind of stress of it was quite low i thought just don't worry about you know the big picture and trying you know i'm not i'm not on emi records trying to get to number one here i'm just trying to finish something off i mean it's i'm so messy that just trying to finish a song was like an achievement, you know, just the fact that stuff was in time was like a miracle. So the parameters are quite low. So I just thought, just try and do stuff you like and don't worry about that big picture bit about sounding like chewing brakes. Cause I mean, I just, it would just sound like a rubbish version of it if I tried, I think. I think you've achieved something like that. It stands out and stands alone uh, with that. I think that attitude that you've just described, obviously that was obviously the perfect thing to do at that time. And it's, it's a great album. I loved it. And and loads, like I said, the nods to Turing breaks with the slide guitar and the the picking style, but also, you know, it's a misconception that, you know, Turing breaks are an acoustic band because, you know, maybe for obviously the optimist, that was the, the, the big kind of, the big sound that was popular at the time, but you for over the years, you've, you've thrown in loads of stuff um, yeah. and really let, let, let your hair down and, and uh, cranked it up. And, you know, there's, there's elements of this that I really enjoy from the band and it comes through on this as well. And you're able just to, yeah, to go, the, to go that little bit extra with your own personality. And that I think really comes through. So yeah, I really liked it. Yeah. No, I mean, I did try, I, I think I was thinking, don't make it, just don't make it try and don't make it sound like you're trying to be chewing breaks light, you know, just try just to just go some, you know, just go somewhere else. Just, you know, you can just kind of start again if you wanted to the yeah. same way. I was kind of thinking, you know, the Optimist LP was really, people really took that to heart. And when we were doing all that, I mean, we did know it was, it was good, good music and everything. Um, but it took on a, once you've done something and put it out, it it can take on its own, life and people can have their own relationship with that but until you uh yeah, until you do it until you put it out it's just an idea that that no one can have a relationship with so i was kind of reminding myself of that that um just it, it doesn't matter if it doesn't if it sounds reasonably new sounding not too much like chewing breaks because you know hopefully the, the the dream would be that people would um kind of take it and have a new life with it that could start its own its own life you know like a child growing up in terms of vocals then I mean that must have been was it daunting actually for you to sort of take the lead in that respect or I guess you know doing backing vocals for so long you kind of knew and confident with your own voice but in in this kind of setting um, yeah it's very different yeah especially 
especially with Ollie, like, cause he's, he's, he's such a good singer. Like, and I don't just mean like in, uh, you know, uh, American Idol sort of way, like, or, you know, <laughs> stage school, like he's nothing like that. It's so, it's so, um, natural and, um, kind of tied to his whole core. And it's just impossible to stand, which is probably what put me off doing a record myself for ages. You're kind of, it feels, it feels a bit like you're standing next to this massive, glowing sun that's really attractive you know and then you're kind of lighting a box of matches next to it sort of trying to vaguely sing in tune so it <laughs> it was it was really I had to kind of separate myself and kind of tell myself that I was being unfair to myself trying to put it next to like Ollie singing for example because it's just you know it's it doesn't it doesn't it just so happens that I'm standing next to this very bright shining light of voice you know but if I could, if I move away from that and I forget about Ollie's amazing thing and all the other amazing singers in the world um and just get on with what I had to do so yeah singing was a bit of a it took me a while in my head to kind of go okay you're gonna you're just gonna have to sing like I I I thought I don't want to listen to stuff where I'm just avoiding singing I just don't want to make something that's just instrumental because I'm avoiding it I sort of took great comfort in all the music that I don't like as well I thought well loads of people put out stuff that I can't stand I think it's completely rubbish so I can put something out that's maybe a bit rubbish and people can't stand it if they want and that's just going to have to be me singing on it and that's that was it so yeah so um the singing was a bit of a step but I kind of stopped thinking about it once I started recording it I think I was kind of concentrating on um getting it finished I kind of thought I'd just try and get each song finished and then look back at it and not criticize myself too much just get it finished so that you've got something to look at rather than uh not starting because you're too scared to start yeah um and I, I mean I, my 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 voice okay so I'm not gonna like put myself down but it's not <laughs> it's not the, it's not a natural singer's voice so it takes quite a lot of work and especially uh, me kind of trying to engineer it and trying to make it sound good. Um, it was a bit of a, it was kind of a bit of a task, but um, I think I stopped thinking about it and just tried to get it finished. Because you've got the the falsetto thing going and the, the, the layered harmonies, and then you've got collaborations as well. So Eliza. Yeah. Eliza Shaddad, is that correct? If I've pronounced that surname properly, because I'm not good. Yeah, I mean... I say Shadad. Shadad. I don't actually know the correct way of saying it. I've always said that. She's never corrected me. <laughs> um, Eliza came on tour with us, with first of all with Tom Spate as his singer, and then she supported us herself. She's her own artist in her own right. You know, I've always just thought she's really good. And she's she was kind of like, she just kind of, she heard me singing in the sound check once. Oh, that sounded really good. You know, she was a little bit, um, what's it called? When someone... Self-deprecating towards no, you. No, 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 no. She was surprised. No, no, not... <laughs> <laughs> no well, she, maybe she was. But no, she was encouraging, encouraging, you know, sort of like slightly semi-encouraging about it, you know. Yeah, yeah. But um, anyway, I kind of thought she's a bit kind of grunging or that kind of thing. So I kind of, as well as her being, having a great voice, I had I had thought there was, like Offices was a track. I've always thought that would be really good if there was a girl singing that. Um, and actually, even when she first came on tour with us, I started thinking, oh, maybe she could be the female voice that sings sometimes you know but uh, yeah so actually on thunderclouds but you mentioned the, the falsetto voice so that that i just did i just i just came in and started playing and it just came out really easily and smoothly that day but i was singing in this falsetto voice 
So later on, I played to my wife and she was, she just looked at me like, well, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Why are you thinking like that? And I was like, it just, that's just what the way it came out. And it kind of seems to resonate like in my head like that. And it, you know, I, I think it's all right. And she was really like, oh, really? And I played to my brother and he was like, yeah, you know, that song Thunderclouds, you know, yeah, it's a bit of a bit funny hearing you sing like that. Uh, so I was like, okay. But then I couldn't, I tried it singing like an octave line. It just didn't work. And I was a little bit um, stubborn about it. But um, eventually I thought what I'd do is get Eliza to sing the second part of it so that it kind of se- seems a bit more, uh, the, the uh, attention goes off me a little bit and, and it goes off my falsetto a little bit. But that was just one of those things. It just came out like that and uh, I it just resonated with me. And I just thought that's, I'm just going to keep it like that. You know, I think yeah. I'm just going to, just going to face up to whatever criticism I get for that. So is this like, has this unlocked something then now? Do you feel yourself doing a follow-up or, or to can you continue to sort of write under your own sort of steam and under sort of the Gail P kind of uh, name, if you like? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Sh- I mean, I'm not sure. I f- I'm very kind of happy that I've done it. And I do feel like it's kind of opened the window a little bit to uh, an audience who might uh, be kind of accepting of it. I'm not about to start doing another one now, that's for sure, because at the moment it feels more it feels more like we're cheering breaks and Gail P are kind of just have got enough music that we're trying to put out there as it is. And it's almost uh, it almost feels a bit like it's slowed down on the out on the on the on the outside world bit that we need to like I've, I'm starting to feel like there's not much point making loads and loads of music apart from for your self-satisfaction with the idea of releasing it if you start to get a big backlog of stuff that's going to be released, it starts to feel a little bit um, kind of fruitless, you know, a bit pointless. Like Prince, you kind of think, well, you know, I could, I could, I could make another solo album. I guess I could probably make one next month and it would probably be, you know, okay-ish or, you know, maybe not okay, but whatever, you know, but then queue it up to get released and get it printed and hope that someone's going to buy it, but also hope they're going to buy the TV album that comes out and also hope that there was another side project we did that, they haven't really leapt onto yet and then this one's just come out so i'm not in any hurry to to do that but it has um it's kind of given me a bit of confidence think, well you can you know you can finish stuff that's yeah that's something you could you could do it if you felt that way inclined what's the situation with the new cheer and breaks album you're saying you've been recording a lot and and so are we due another lp yes you're due another lp because <laughs> we um, should be by now it's like a it's like a special event in my house well oh good i'm glad you're saying it like that because i thought you were sort of saying a bit like are we due another, <laughs> a bus <laughs> are we, yeah are we like due another is it coming again is it right okay. oh god are we getting another one no not another one <laughs> one you guys are doing another one um <laughs> Well, it does start to feel like that, especially with the whole lockdown and not being able to tour and, you know, everything just kind of is like a river just stopped flowing. You know, there's nowhere to put the, the water anymore. Um, yeah. So we've, I, mean, I don't know what they, whether I'm supposed to be saying this, I don't know, but I don't suppose it really matters. So we've kind of got the new album ready. It's, it's ready to go apart from uh, the massive vinyl backlog of getting stuff printed. Yeah. Which is like a big old, uh, it's well, just jamming. thanks thanks Adele (laughs) thanks Adele and even before that even when I was actually trying to get this my solo record printed I gave it like I don't know six months advance which was let me think I mean it was 
it was about a year before TB started making inquiries about printing the new album or at least delivered it to the label and they started making inquiries. And at that point, a year before that, I gave it six months and they were kind of saying, you probably won't get that for your tour. Oh. Uh, and so that was a, that, that wasn't the beginning of me going, oh, it's a big run up, but it was even before Adele did the record, her record and, you know, before lockdown three, it was already a massive backlog because there was, you know, there's, not many vinyl prints anymore and everyone's doing it and there's a shortage of some material in America so the Americans have gone to Europe to do it then there was some sort of element of the mastering disc that people couldn't get get anymore because of Covid slowing everything down so some sort of ingredient and then Adele put a record out which I don't I don't I mean it did obviously affect our our place in the queue but there was the queue is still massive so even to this day like every now and then we'll get another email saying oh it's going to be delayed if you know unless x y and z happens it's going to be delayed another few weeks but we've got a tour booked or we're kind of in the process of booking a tour to tour when the album when this album comes out so fingers crossed it's going to come out kind of after just after summer this year oh cool short answer and so you're like you're looking to, to do a full tour of this and do you think you'll be asked to do or do you think you'll do any of your own songs on this tour any of gail oh, peace yeah yeah oh no no not not on chewing breaks tours i don't think so oh no. well i think it would start to get really ollie's done a solo album ed's done a solo album i think if we started to I mean, as well as Turing Breaks having like a thousand million songs to play, like every yeah. gig we do, someone says, you didn't play that. Why didn't you play it? You know? <laughs> so I don't think we're really in a position where we can start adding in kind of, uh, I don't know, you know, side projects, as it were. Before I let you go, uh, I just wanted to ask a bit more about, um, you know, the, I was really annoyed with myself that I didn't manage to come and see the, the 25 year tour. Uh, I was 25, 20 year old, uh, 20 year yeah. tour of, um the optimist stuff because she came to southampton which is where i'm based and um yeah i remember how, it how how was that um i mean southampton I, was amazing you know what yeah <laughs> it, was, it was it was so weird it's so weird you just don't know what it's going to be like until oh, you get into the room and the yeah. the vent can you remember the venue what the venue was called uh it was the brook wasn't it you played was it the brook? the brook or was it um i think you've played the brook before but maybe it was uh the, um engine rooms was it the engine rooms it, uh, I should probably look it up. I mean, I've got, I don't know the name, but I know the, I remember the, the room and uh, it was one of the first ones we did. Yeah, that's we, right. It was, they were, it was the first gig. Yeah. It was the first one. Right. So we just didn't know what was going to happen because it was after all the lockdowns, it was right in this kind of lovely gap where suddenly you could go out and we walked into the room and it was packed mm. and it had a really good atmosphere. You know, we, when the first night you're tall, you're sort of like, what's going to happen are people going to come is everyone going to be wearing masks are they going to you know they what are they going to receive it and they just they just loved it they gave us so much love uh so a lot of that optimus tour was like that basically it was it was like a real relief you could see that people were really happy to have a got out and they were kind of remembering how what a nice event live music is like how loud it is how like immersive the whole thing is and you can see that people were really getting off on that. But also that album really seemed to have got into a lot of people's kind of hearts and lives. And so, I mean, we were just kind of on a on a winning ticket on stage. You know, we just had to play the songs and they all seemed to really give us great feedback. It was a really nice tour, you know. It was really nice for us to to get out in that gap because not long after that, it all start, there was another kind of shutdown and gigs were off again. I mean, I know you said that that album 
meant a lot or means a lot to so many people but how what do you guys think about it now looking back at that and do you still think is there is it as much as a nostalgia trip kind of for you guys than it is for like the audience do you think no i mean i think it actually probably lives daily for us i mean especially when we're out touring it's because we play quite a lot of the songs from that album i mean not yeah. all it's not like not every gig is like a retrospective but um there are we know there are you know going to be we have to kind of play some of those songs. There's just no way around it. And we were very happy to, but so it kind of lives for us. Like we each night, for example, mind over money, will have a certain, certain differences, certain slight changes in vibe or whatever. And we can come back off and go, oh, you know, mind over money was amazing tonight. Or the door was really kicked off tonight. It's really good. It, what's weird for us is listening to the optimist more and kind of going, all right, this is what people are going to think. This is how people perceive it, is how we recorded it all those years ago. Yeah. And we don't anymore. We perceive it as whatever's happening that night, you know. Um, it's quite good to sometimes, well, I realise it's quite good to go back and listen to it because we just don't. I mean, you wouldn't. You'd be a madman to go and play those songs every night and then go home and listen to the original recordings every night. It just wouldn't wouldn't make any sense mentally. But um, I think what stands out about the album as well is that lyrically it was so bizarre i mean i remember being when i was i was heavily into it and it is just like what what's he thinking about there was so much nuance in there and lyrically it was just quite confusing but in a really quirky way that i don't think we'd had before and of course coupled with the like the acoustic movement that kicked off thereafter um really great combination of just intrigue about the whole thing yeah i mean we the the album we, I mean, we were, we were so lucky because it was very natural for us to make that. You know, we kind of made it without thinking too much about um, stuff. You know, we did have a bit of a, not exactly a concept, but we had certain things we wanted, like no reverb on the vocals. Like we kind of had like our own idea of how things should sound, but it was quite natural for us. We didn't have to think about it too much. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, it just seemed to, it just seemed to really get into people. Mm was also really it was really good like you say the lyrics were really I, I they were just really interesting they were kind of un they weren't really boxed in like the more the more and more you do like for example with something like future boy it's kind of so I feel, I feel like it's sort of so free and not done in a kind of traditional sort of song structure for example mm. that once you've done that once or twice it, you can't really repeat it because then you kind of become aware that it's not in a normal song structure then you start to try and second guess it in various things whereas that album because it was just fresh and we hadn't really given it much thought in that way um it just had all those nice kind of interesting things on it it was a golden age golden age it was it's been fantastic speaking to you girl and like i get I say thanks for your time and uh and uh, really enjoyed the album and um Good luck with everything, and I hope hope to see you guys soon. Uh, yeah, later this year with the, with the tour, and I'm looking forward to listening to the new material. Great. Well, come and say hello if you come to a gig. I will. Don't you worry. I'll be there waving my knickers. Don't <laughs> <laughs> go that far. No, but the, the the optimist. I think I've got it somewhere on CD. I'll get you to sign it. That'll be the fine. Well, I'll be at the yeah. most getting your vinyl. That's where I'll be. Oh yeah, yeah. If it's arrived, <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> All right. Well. Again, thanks. Thanks so much, Gail. All right. Cheers, Chris. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.